Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. And we are live, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. We have a very, very exciting episode and guest to share with you today. This is particularly exciting because our guest is really one of those high achievers, thought leaders in his field, even though he probably wouldn't call himself that. Um, But nonetheless, it's also exciting because this is a gentleman that I've known for a couple of years now. And just to see the way that he has grown his personal brand and to see the impact that he's having on people through his YouTube channel is absolutely exhilarating, exciting, all the above. And I'm super excited to bring you guys today's episode. And this is an interesting episode and a first for me because as I sit here right now recording this introduction, this is the second introduction that I'm recording. Now, let me give you a little clarifying, uh, a little clarification as to why. So normally I record introductions once. Um, those who know me know that I can can, uh, can call myself One Take Phil. I sometimes go by the moniker One Take Phil just because I do happen to have the ability to record these things once and get it over with. But the level at which Mr. J.P. Sears, our guest today, has achieved, the level at which he is operating is so incredibly high that the introduction that I recorded a mere two weeks ago is no longer valid. In the introduction I recorded two weeks ago, I told you guys, the audience, that J.P. Sears has had, had, or had, wow, I'm getting so tongue twisted, I'm just so excited to bring you guys this episode, I can't even speak anymore, but he had 130,000 YouTube subscribers. As of today, two weeks later, J.P. Sears has over 200,000 YouTube subscribers. Let that sink in for a second. He went from 130,000 subscribers, which is by itself insane, but he went from 130 to over 200,000. His Facebook channel went from 300 and something thousand to four, or sorry, to 548,000 likes, followers, people that follow him uh, literally in two weeks. He has gained almost 200,000 followers on Facebook over the two-week span. Now, this has a lot to do with what J.P. Sears does and what he puts out. So he is the founder of Awaken with J.P. He has an incredible YouTube channel that I'm sure a lot of you guys have become acquainted with uh, in the past, if not more so recently. He just released a video called If Meat Eaters Acted Like Vegans. This video went viral on Facebook, reaching over 50 million views. Yes, 50 million views on Facebook in the past literally week. So if you guys didn't know JP before this week, you probably saw this video and are now acquainted with his comical demeanor and the way that he sheds light on some of these things uh, that our culture has be- has become so keen to just kind of accept. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm really excited to bring you guys today's episode because JP is one of those guys 
that is going to make you laugh. He has incredible insights. I think this is kind of a different show for JP just because he does a lot of spiritual podcasts. He does a lot of podcasts where he talks about emotional healing and things of that nature. But this one, we're going to dive into what does JP do on a daily basis? What does his morning ritual look like? What does his creative process look like? How does he come up with the ideas for his YouTube channel? We are going to be delving into some of these topics that a lot of you listeners... And a lot of you new listeners to the show who are JP fans are probably not going to be aware of. So sit back, get ready for this incredible conversation with Mr. JP Sears. You are listening to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. Enjoy the show. Today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Fuel 101, the six steps to take you from where you are to where you want to go. This is one of those books that basically takes all the things that are being shared on the podcast, puts them into a practical, applicable form, applicable kind of framework that's going to allow you to pursue your passions, dreams, goals, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish in your life at this point in time. It's going to take that, put it into a framework, and help you get there. And just for tuning into the show, go to the Rocket Fuel 101 in numbersbook.com, the Rocket Fuel 101book.com. Put the book in the cart, type in promo code PODCAST. Once you get to the checkout, you are going to receive 25% off any and all purchases from that site just for tuning into the podcast. Again, go to therocketfuel101book.com, buy the book, enter promo code PODCAST. You're going to receive 25% off any and all purchases. This is one of those books that's literally going to transform your thinking. You can see a bunch of testimonials on the site. There's some informational videos and a bunch of goodies there. Check that stuff out. See for yourself what the hype is all about. You want to get yourself a copy. Don't be late to this party. Again, promo code podcast is going to get you 25% off any and all purchases. And I'm just going to say now, enjoy the book because we know you will. JP, welcome to the show. Thank you for the welcome, Philip. I, it would be kind of ironic if you had me on the show and then started off like by not welcoming me onto the show. Like, JP, you're intruding here. <laughs> you're not a guest on the show. But nonetheless, I love the tradition of the welcome. I'm glad to be hanging here with you, brother. Yeah, yeah. That, and that would, be, that would be very interesting if that was the way it went. But nonetheless... <laughs> So JP, you know, I'm familiar with some of the stuff you do and I'm I'm guessing that some of our audience, some of our listeners have seen some of your YouTube videos just by default. I mean, th- those things were floating around and are still floating around Facebook quite a bit. Uh, your YouTube channel, Awaken with JP. But for those of the listeners who really don't know or understand who you are just yet, would you mind giving us just a quick bullet point um, history of who JP is and how JP got to where he is today. Sure. So even though I have no clue who I am, I'm more than happy to pretend like I know who I am for the sake of giving people a false sense of certainty about who I am. <laughs> yeah, who kind of based on what I do, who I am. I do emotional healing work with people. I've been doing that for about 14 years and where I help people help themselves heal their hearts, uh, step into their power and for the past three years, I've been also doing YouTube videos. I have serious videos. I have satirical videos also that, in my opinion, carry a, a, a meaningful underlying message. 
And um, yeah, and I'm also blessed that I get to travel around the world, speak at events, lead retreats, pretend I know what I'm doing, uh, but most importantly, connect with a lot of wonderful people. And yeah, and kind of how I, if I can trivialize how I got to where I am, wherever that is, and whoever I am. I would dare say uh, I started off kind of teaching people what I needed to learn the most. It's like, okay, this passion in my heart arose for essentially helping people help themselves become more self-accepting. And it makes sense why I would become passionate about that. It's because I was projecting my need for it onto the world around me. It's like, boy, I really need to learn how to accept myself. And I still have a long ways to go, yet I think I'm doing relatively decent with it, uh, especially compared to where I used to be. That's probably a passive-aggressive way of rejecting my past (laughs) self. Screw him. He's not even listening. But yeah, and I'm just tickled that I get to exercise also my creativity, my warped sense of humor through video and have that uh, just in a, I'm incredibly astonished, shocked and humbled all at the same time by the world's reception for uh, the uh, satirical comedy videos that I put out. Yeah. And, and man, you are really killing it, honestly. So just to name a couple videos right now, you know, how to become gluten intolerant, uh, how to be ultra spiritual, how to become a vegetarian. You have all these videos that shine light like we were speaking to a little bit before the show on the shadow side of these these things that happen in our culture. And um, for those of you who are listening who haven't yet seen some of these videos, they're hilarious. Uh, and you will no doubt know somebody who this video is, uh, who JP portrays in his videos for sure. But uh, JP, when you were growing up, what did you have anything that you wanted to do before you fell into this uh, emotional healing stuff? When you were a kid, did you want to be something that uh, you're currently not doing? Well, I always wanted to be a dolphin. <laughs> and that's actually what I want to be now as an adult. But, you know, as a kid, I had sort of the uh, the fairy tale dreams of I want to be a professional athlete and that's what I want to do. I, I thought I was going to be a three-sport professional athlete. <laughs> Maybe I still will. Uh, so that was sort of my my childhood projection, what I wanted. And and after those sort of fairy tale deals, not to I mean that's a very real reality for some people. Yet it wasn't mine. So aside from that, as a a kid, I was essentially uh, very clueless of what else I wanted to do in life. Uh, In fact, when I was graduating high school, going into my first year of college, before I dropped out of my first year of college, (laughs) I definitely felt very insecure and, dare I say, scared, though I wouldn't admit it at the time. But I felt very scared, like just feeling lost in this world. Like, I don't know what the hell I want to do. I really don't. And that's scary. It's unnerving. I can't get myself interested in any field that has an alleged path to success and heck even you know the mundane jobs you know just straight up hardcore slave labor I can't even get myself to like even be remotely willing to do those so yeah I was just a blind man walking along and uh, eventually found my way you know kind of along a breadcrumb trail into where I'm at and 
And as a kid, I was always interested in exercise and fitness, mostly because I was, uh, I think, in a way, very dysfunctionally compensating for an inner sense of weakness and insignificance through the obsession of building my body to look strong. So I could feel and look as strong on the outside as I felt weak on the inside in order to uh, escape my inner reality. So nonetheless, that got me into exercise. And you know, from there, I, I got involved with the Czech Institute. I know you're super familiar with them. But for those who aren't, uh, the Czech Institute's an exercise and holistic lifestyle-oriented organization. So, you know, I, I finally found a method of kind of exercise that intrigued me as like a profession. So then that got me interested in nutrition, which then got me interested in stress reduction, which then got me interested in uh, just straight up uh, heart healing, actually. Awesome. And so I'm just curious, uh, did you have three sports that uh, you want that you were playing as a kid that you wanted to play professionally, or what sports did you play growing up? Yeah, well, I remember the fourth grade uh, project I did where we we were constructing. I guess it was like an autobiography kind of thing, like the life of JP. We all did that, <laughs> and it was done like on poster boards, sort of like a vision board, actually. Huh. Man, I guess that proves vision boards don't work because <laughs> nothing about it came true. So I remember on it, I was a, a football player, a pro bodybuilder, and mm, there was another sport. I'm not recalling what it is right now. Yeah, the sports I did play growing up, uh, soccer, baseball, basketball, football, uh, track and field, and as I got older in the, you know, into junior high, when the you know, sports are taken more seriously, the seasons are longer, practices are every day, uh, then I was just doing football, basketball, and track and field. Awesome. So I'm just curious because, you know, I played sports myself and uh, had a little stint playing some college basketball. And I know that, you know, sports and the structure of sports and you know, the unfolding of a game, for instance, a basketball game, taught me a lot about life and myself. Did, did you learn any lessons through playing these sports about yourself uh, in terms of, you know, your perseverance or your ability to work well with others? Were there any lessons, in, you know, kind of encapsulated in sports that you're still practicing today? Yeah, uh, two primary lessons come to mind, and it's funny because they're kind of contradictory, yet I think both are important. The first one was like a no-quit attitude, and I know that doesn't sound super zen, but screw it. It's not zen to always <laughs> be zen, but a no-quit no attitude. I mean, for a lot of those sports, like football, like I was on the field every single play of the game, offense, defense. I, I would return kicks. I would be the kicker on the kickoffs. You know, it's uh, on the field for every play. And there were some times where, you know, I'm on the verge of vomiting because I just got hit in the gut. And and I can't even breathe because I'm just so out of breath from, you know, playing every play. And I would literally be willing to pass out if need be. Like I w was just relentless. I wouldn't allow myself to say I need a break. 
now that's not very compassionate. However, the kind of the hardship of that mentality I had, which was basically built out of self-rejection, like I won't accept myself <laughs> if I'm weak and need to ask for a break or need to say like I am in so much pain, I just want to sit, sit out for a moment. So the fact that I wouldn't do that, I, I think it that experience has taught me uh, how to take that over into more meaningful places of my life that matter more to my heart and soul. And uh, I think there's dimensions of that ex- that express themselves um, every day. I mean, last week there were, you know, several days where I'm up till one in the morning still working. Uh, and work is a little bit of a dirty word because I find a lot of purpose and play mm-hmm. in what I do. And last night I was up till eleven thirty or so, and 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 sort of that thing where I get frustrated at the clock, like and frustrated, like I have to sleep uh, because there's just so much I want to do. So there's that, I'll call it perseverance and dysfunctional workaholism too. Yeah. And then the <laughs> other the other simultaneous lesson was not to take things seriously. Uh, which is, I think, contradictory yet incredibly complementary to having the perseverance, no quit attitude. I think part of what allows me to just keep going with what's important to me relentlessly, ambitiously, continuing to do my best to break down the walls of my comfort zone is the fact that I don't take things too seriously I think importance has zero correlation to seriousness, mm. uh, necess- no necessary correlation. Sometimes it is correlated, but not necessarily. So I remember playing sports, and when we would lose, I remember you know, a good friend of mine at the time, Kurt Hartman. I mean, he was always the best athlete, <laughs> and he would always take things the most serious. And if we lost, I mean, he was always down, ticked off. And I remember, like, I would pretend to be upset just mm-hmm. to kind of like, you know, I want to look like that <laughs> yeah. character, you know, fit in here. But I remember, like, I would usually just not give a damn if we lost. Like, I would always try my hardest. And that ability to not take sports seriously and play sports and have the embodied experience of trying really hard, doing my best while not taking it too seriously is something that I I seem to bring into my, I think, all phases of my work. Videos, speaking, uh, one-on-one work. And that would be something I'm just eternally grateful for. Yeah, and I think, man, the ability to uh, not take things so seriously, I think, has such a place. And especially in today's world where if you're not first, you're last. I mean, everybody has this mentality. And I think to be able to not take it so seriously, in turn, you can do a better job at it. And you can definitely see throughout your videos that you are definitely having a fun time and not taking yourself uh, too seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. I think the, the, there's not much that shuts down our gifts more than expectations. Mm. And if we succumb to the illusion of other people's expectations or worse yet, we succumb to our own expectations, 
then it's like there we are expressing our gifts, whether our gifts are genius and creativity, mathematics, whatever it is, podcasting. Then it's like there we are trying to express our gifts with the gun of expectations pointed at our head. And if you go up to a child and say, draw a picture and draw a really good picture and here's a gun to your head to motivate you to draw a good picture. By the way, if you don't draw a very good picture, I'm going to shoot you with the shame of failing to meet these expectations. So that child's not going to be in a very creative state. And I don't think adults are either. And I do think a creative state of heart, creative state of mind is such a beautiful gift to give ourselves so that we can better express our gifts even if our gifts aren't something we would actually literally call creativity, but being in that creative, playful state of mind is, I think, uh, what allows us to express our genius. I totally agree. And, you know, for those listening, I mean, obviously, JP, you have, uh, at least I will say, you have a, a really deep sense of understanding about yourself and about pe- how people operate. And because you do this emotional healing work, um, I feel like you have a a better than most understanding of how we kind of, um, you know, the shadow side of ourselves and the things that, you know, like you mentioned earlier, we kind of do these external things to cover up these internal things that we don't want to look at. Um, when did you get turned on to, or when did you start, uh, getting interested in this emotional healing or this kind of holistic approach to health and wellness and, and some of the spiritual stuff that obviously, uh, you understand very well and, you know, you have a knack for Yeah, well, thank you for all the implied compliments embedded in that question. Uh, And I also, by the way, I'll actually answer the question in a second. I just want to feel like I'm in control of the podcast here, Philip. Hey, it's your show. (laughs) Yet I I do wonder, you mentioned, you know, the with emotional healing work I've done and, uh, you know, uh, it seems like I have an understanding and self-awareness. One, that's awesome to hear. And two, I do question that. I do wonder, like, do I, because I've uh, been able to learn and adopt a sort of a self-awareness vocabulary, do I use that vocabulary to outsmart myself, to convince myself and other people, I am being self-aware right now in a super insightful way? And am I perhaps using the facade of self-awareness through this vocabulary and actually convincing myself of it at the same time in order to cover up uh, a defended uh, sense of self or a defense against connecting to myself more. I don't know. That's just a question that I dance with once in a while, but nonetheless, (laughs) nonetheless, the answer to the question uh, about like when I got interested in the inner realms was July 9th, 2001. Wow. And that was the uh, the first day of the first class that I uh, took with Paul Check. Mm. And for people who don't know, Paul Check is the founder of the Czech Institute, which you might ration, rationalize that he named that after himself. That would be true. <laughs> and, and so Paul was definitely my first mentor and he had a major major influence uh on me and he was yeah seeing the way he believed in me taught me how to believe in myself it was just amazing so with that said him being someone who i really looked up to 
uh, during that first class, he started talking about emotions and how they impact our physical bodies. And at the time, I was like all about exercise and like, yeah, physical body, that's a cool thing. And how to get out of pain and be bigger, faster, stronger kind of thing. And then he starts talking about like how our emotions can resolve a neck pain. I'm just like, what? <laughs> uh, like, I've never heard of that. But because I, you know, I feel a sense of trust about him and what he's saying, it it sounded wacky, yet it sounded believable because I heard it coming from him. So that definitely lit the fuse of intrigue in me. And, you know, from there, I I'd keep on learning uh, with Paul Check, And you got into vast amounts of reading. Uh, Conversations with God book one was mm. the first uh, artsy-fartsy book of the intangible realms of the human mind, heart, and soul that I read, and uh, I loved it. And it just really spoke to me. One of those things of like, okay, I'm reading the book, but it seems like everything the book's talking about is are things that I've always thought I just didn't know I thought them. It's like I'm having a remembrance as I'm reading it. And, and then, you know, from there, you got into taking other you know, workshops, classes of emotional realms, you know, some would maybe be called spiritual classes. So I definitely got a fuse lit on July 9th, 2001. Awesome. And uh, you mentioned Conversations with God, the uh, book part one. Uh, I'll link to that in the show notes for you listeners. I, it's a fantastic book. Did, did you have any other resources uh, that you read or perhaps watched? I know this is probably... Uh, you know, pre everything being able to be accessed on the internet like it is yeah. today, but any other resources that, that you'd recommend to someone who's interested in kind of delving into this at a beginner level? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Eckhart Tolle, his work, The Power of Now, A New Earth, uh, those books, they're, you know, I think they're very well fit for a beginner and very well fit for someone well into their journey. So he definitely comes to mind. And I, I definitely peeled through a lot of books enough that I uh, don't really recall the exact uh, sequence and names. And I, and I don't think, uh, you know, those massive amounts of spiritual books, uh, healing books that I read, I don't think any of those are necessarily uh, important. I think what was important to me was I just got to read things saying the same thing just in different ways because I needed a lot of affirming. And, you know, if someone's in the beginning of their journey, uh, at least what they call the beginning of their journey, I think our journeys start uh, well before we think they start, then, you know, I think whatever books cross your path are for you. And I think YouTube now is a phenomenal phenomenon just to be redundantly redundant with <laughs> uh, derivatives of the word phenomenon. But yeah, I had dial-up internet at the time, so there was unfortunately not much in the way of online <laughs> videos to support my uh, uh, ambitious journey into wherever the hell I was going. So let's transition now into uh, you know your YouTube channel. So when did you realize that you like being in front of a camera? Did you test any other uh, media outlets out before? Like, did you? tried voice? Did you try blogging or did you go straight to video? And how did you really find that to be your niche? 
Great question. I found video worked for me before I started YouTube. When I was teaching for the Czech Institute, which I backtrack in the story, later on started teaching for the Czech Institute after I you know, went through all their programs. And uh, I would do some filming for them, particularly at the time, I, sort of a division of a company called Czech Connect, sort of an online education platform they had. And and I would do, they would film me doing videos and, and I was surprised just how natural I felt in front of a camera, how smooth things came, how I just sort of would flow, not to fool people into thinking that I didn't have jitters and nerves. Those were certainly there, but, uh, that taught me like, yeah, okay. The video works pretty well for me. At least I'm comfortable with it or at least I'm comfortable dealing with the discomfort of it. <laughs> uh, so uh, YouTube, uh, I started that in 2013. And yeah, so that's where my heart was. It's like, okay, all these mediums of podcast, video, blogging, and a thousand other things, I, I certainly wanted to prioritize and put a lot of my eggs into one basket so I definitely went with YouTube and, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it felt just like the right thing, I think. And, uh, it was certainly a lot of learning and developing, um, I guess more comfort and what charm with the camera along the way. Yeah. And, and I mean, like I mentioned earlier, the channel's incredible, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. You have over 130,000 people who subscribe to your show, which is awesome. Congratulations! Oh, thank uh, you. What part of of the sh- of your videos and your show? What's your favorite part? I'm curious because you know, with podcasting, there's a bunch that goes into it. I don't know if you're doing all your own editing or not, but what do you enjoy most? Do you enjoy the the coming up with the ideas? And and I guess uh, kind of an offshoot question is, how do you come up with some of your ideas? Because some of them. I feel like they fit so perfectly, like your most recent video uh, that you put out when we're recording this is your video about, uh, you know, Instagram, people posting yoga photos on Instagram. And it's Mm -hmm. really, it's absolutely hilarious because, you know, I know so many people who do that. And I I mean, how? so I guess the question is twofold. How do you come up with the concepts? And then what part do you enjoy the most? Do you enjoy the coming up with it? Do you enjoy the actual recording? Do you enjoy the editing, the post stuff? Um, Yeah. Yeah, great question. And I'll answer that question in two different ways because on my channel, I have sort of two different species of videos, the serious videos and then the satirical videos and the serious ones, which sounds like, you know, serious, (laughs) like they're like videos about, I don't know, death. This sounds like a serious, I do have a video about death actually. But anyway, the videos that are more just straightforward, those are simple. Uh, I usually, I just look at a viewer's question, turn on my camera and talk. And there's not any editing in those. So those are, they're a different species and I enjoy those a lot. And then, and I I don't want to say less or more than the other species of the comedy videos. It's just a completely different species. So with the comedy videos, the there there's honestly a 
hell of a lot that goes into those. And I do everything myself. I'm that much of a control freak. <laughs> All the editing, filming, scripting, idea plotting. And the, um, you know, that, that process, I would dare say one of the more enjoyable parts of the process for me is the creative phase of, uh, having just an idea float into my mind. I never really sit down and try and think of ideas. It's just more like I listen to the ideas that spontaneously come to me. Uh, that's beautiful. And then the, this scripting out process sort of, uh, bringing those super abstract ideas closer into the video reality through, uh, scripting the story out. And I find that very enjoyable. And then, you know, the, the probably the part I enjoy less uh, or the least is setting up the shot. All right. Figuring out the lighting. Where's this, uh, where am I going to do this shot? Then once I turn the camera on and deliver the lines, back to really enjoying that, being in the moment. And then, you know, so those are, I think, two of the sweetest parts, the creative writing and then being on the camera. And then the editing phase of it, I am, like, I, I don't dread it, but I don't enjoy it. I am just in a head-down go mode, so it's like, not pleasurable, yeah, yeah. but I'm just bashing my way through it. Uh, and then, you know, honestly, my the, my greatest satisfaction is already uh, tasted before I even publish the video. And I might be delusional in just saying this because I think it'll make me sound better. Uh, maybe, maybe there's some <laughs> truth to it. I don't know yet. You know, the other people watching it and hearing their feedback and watching the views roll in, that to me really is just the the cherry on top. Yeah, and uh, that's awesome. And so uh, just a quick question about when you come up with these ideas. So you said that you kind of let the ideas flow into you. You don't have like a sit time where you try and formulate these ideas. Um, is there a particular time where these ideas happen more like uh, maybe it's early on in the day, maybe it's during a, a like a walk that you take. Is there a specific activity or time where these ideas tend to happen more often? Uh, no, the the ideas coming to me, they're just random, kind of any time. And I just I grab a post-it note like I'm showing you <laughs> on video and the podcast listeners are going to have to uh, take our word for that. Um <laughs> It, but the the actual scripting of the video, that creative aspect, I'm typically doing that in the mornings. I, I usually set up my schedule where my mornings are my creative time, and and I think that that typically that probably is the most naturally creative time during the day for me. And also what else works for me is that's when I make deliberate space for it to happen. Uh, so it's like, okay, because I build a, a structure for it, that's where the create, creativity uh, collects. Yeah. And so do you have uh, any other, like, do you have any daily rituals or morning rituals, like things that you do uh, every day? Like, for instance, people that have been on the show, they meditate, they, do, they have a gratitude journal. Are there things that you do on a daily basis that kind of help you um, just get through your day? 
Yeah, you know, I I wake up and then I yell at my neighbors and then I <laughs> be funny if I I love my That neighbors. would be funny. <laughs> uh yeah, typically after I do the mundane things in the bathroom, I do 12 minutes of meditation and I find 12 minutes works well because it's 12 minutes of meditation. I find 20 minutes of meditation doesn't work well for me because I don't do it. So I find 12 <laughs> minutes works well for me. And then usually I'll go for a, a, about a 30-minute walk. I love doing that. It kind of feels like me time, and it just uh, helps me waken up at a little bit more of a cel- cellular level as well as uh, wake up in my mind as well. And then from there, I come back and grab my dog and take him for a walk. He's a little wiener dog, so he doesn't do the long walks with me. And then from there, I'm usually jumping right onto my computer, not to do the, uh, you know, worship other people's priorities, things through email and messages. I do that later. But jumping on my computer is to jump into my creative time, be that scripting videos, or I've recently written a book yet to be published, but you know that's when I was doing my book writing. Uh, so you some and I, there's other creative things I do. It's just I'm not creative enough to remember what the <laughs> hell they are right now. Some level of creativity is being done in the morning, unless I'm in a time where I'm taking life too damn seriously, where a lot of pressing things have mounted up. And out of fear, I sacrifice my creative time. And it sucks. It hurts when I do it. And I'm glad it hurts when I do it because I think it teaches me not to do it anymore. But I still do it sometimes. So I'm still learning that lesson. Yeah, awesome. So and, and like, you, like you've been hitting on, I mean, you, you do a, a whole bunch of other things like your retreats, you do one-on-one work with people, you speak, and uh, we'll link to your website in the show notes, and it's, it's just awakenwithjp.com, and we'll make sure that you share all your links with us. Uh, but I want to get into some rapid-fire questions, but before I do, um, is there any one thing that you're working on right now that you're most excited about? And that could be your YouTube channel. That could be your retreats. It could be the book that you were just talking about. Is there any one thing that you're doing that's really taking precedence right now? It's a great question. Yes, but I'll probably give you three <laughs> one things. Perfect. Because like each time I'm working on it, it's like, all right, this is the most exciting thing. You know, my my book, which is written entirely through my ultra-spiritual character, which ultra-spiritual is the backbone of my comedy series I do on YouTube. So that book, it's um, it's going to be called How to Be Ultra-Spiritual, 13 and a Half Steps to Spiritual Superiority. <laughs> and it will be published through Sounds True Publishing in the spring of 2017, early spring. So it'll still be a little while. Yeah, that book is in its uh, final editing phases. Me and the editor have already done all the creative editing. Now I'm uh, working with an editor to do like all the boring edits. Like they just do (laughs) ad commas and weird things like that. Uh, Yet I'm just doing one of the final read throughs to approve everything. And I'm super stoked about that. Like that book, I poured my heart and soul into. And there were wells of creativity that shocked me that and, and dimensions of humor that came up uh, writing that book that just surprised the hell out of me. And, but it makes sense. Like in a video, like ideally 
my comedy videos, I don't like them to be any longer than five minutes. Sometimes they're a little longer uh, because the video attention span is short. It's very short in the horizontal dimension. Yet with a book, you can just go deeper and wider because it's a book. Uh, someone by nature of picking up the book has longer than a three-minute attention span. <laughs> so there was just a depth of development of concepts that I could do, bringing out new f flowers of humor, new flowers of uh, satirism, if that's a word, whatever the <laughs> I think so. If not, you just created it. <laughs> yeah, so those new dimensions came out and like, it was just so thrilling to me to be in the writing process of that. So yeah, I'm stoked about that. And because I got a long winded enough about that answer, I'll just say <laughs> the book is what I'm most stoked about at the moment. We'll just leave it with the book. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to ask you some short, short form questions. You can answer as short or as long as you'd like. Uh, my first question for you is when you think of the word success or successful, who is the first person that comes to mind and why? Uh, that's a hell of a wonderful question. Hmm. Hmm. You know, uh, right now, my nieces and nephews come to my mind. You know, their ages between four and seven, and they know how to play. Mm. And uh, and I do think one of the most important criteria of success for my mind and heart. Uh, has little to do with external accumulation of stuff and more to do with the state of mind and heart of playfulness. So I think right now I apparently need to learn a lot from children about bringing in the attitude of more playfulness because I think we could achieve, I'll stop projecting out, I'll say I could achieve <laughs> a lot of success through other people's definitions. And that doesn't necessarily have any correlation to me feeling successful, feeling successful, not believing I'm successful. Like look at my bank account or look at this or that, but feeling successful to me, that's measured through, I think, playfulness and connections with self. So that's my final answer, Philip. Perfect. Did I'll I, accept did I pass? it. Was that you the right passed. answer? You yeah. passed. I'll accept it. Um, so I know we, we, we touched on some books, but is, uh, is there one book in particular, if you could recommend one book to somebody, uh, and this podcast is geared toward young people, millennials, uh, who are looking to better themselves and, and find success in whatever definition that is for them, is there one book that you would recommend to someone other than one of the ones maybe you uh, already shared with us? Yeah, what, what I would recommend most is a blank book, a blank uh -huh. journal, and to title that journal advice to me from my future self hmm. and then write what you would guess your future self would advise you on for living a more meaningful life and then read what you wrote that's the book i would recommend to people perfect i love it i have we have yet to hear that and uh, i think that's spot on uh, so besides your youtube channel are there any online resources uh, like maybe podcasts other youtube channels etc that you would recommend to somebody that's a great question. I, you know, to be honest with you, I'm narcissistic enough <laughs> that I tend to be self-absorbed in my own 
social media and engaging with my audience that I don't really dive into a hell of a lot of other stuff. Uh, well, actually, uh, uh, let me be a hypocrite. A couple things come to my mind. I've really gotten intrigued about Gary Vaynerchuk. Ah. Uh, have you heard of him? I have. Yeah, that guy is just a ball of fire. Like I He's think, intense. Yeah, dysfunctional workaholic, yet <laughs> intriguing. And I, yeah, I think he just brings great gifts to the world, yet his passion is just uh, very intriguing to me. Uh, I, I've also, uh, Casey Neistat, have you heard of him? I have not. Uh, he's actually a friend of Gary's, but no correlation to my recommendation. Uh, Casey Neistat is a YouTuber. He does daily vlogs, and he's just a straight-up video maker. And I love be- feeling inspired by his creativity that he brings to videos. So uh, I, I tend to, I guess, consume their content. Uh, contrary to the part of me that started answering the question. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, and I don't actually know that I would recommend them to other people. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. like, based on where I'm at, what tickles my soul, Casey Neistat and Gainer, uh, Gainer Very Chuck, <laughs> Gary Gainer Chuck are pretty cool in my book. Awesome. Awesome. We'll link to all that in the show notes. So, my last question, then we can wrap up here. If you had to get rid of every other part of your daily routine, and you could only keep one part of that routine, what would that one part be and why? Yeah, I think my 12-minute meditation because I feel so much more centered when I do it. And there's periods of time that goes by stretches of days, sometimes a couple weeks, where I start taking life too seriously and like make up stories like, wow, 12 minutes to meditate – will make a difference in the scheme of things. Like, I, you know, I'll look back on my deathbed saying, screw it, man, I wish I had that 12 <laughs> minutes back. I let something slip away. <laughs> so that little bit of time meditating really gives me a beautiful return on investment in, in terms of quality of life throughout the day. Perfect. I love it. All right. So JP, uh, where can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Just you can list all your links and, and social stuff. Yeah, well, if you uh, are only going to go to one place, I would say my YouTube channel, Awaken with JP, is probably the best, most entertaining, beneficial place to check out some of what I do. And all my social media handles and website are Awaken with JP. And of course, if you're incredibly offended by me, then anything to do with Awaken with JP on the internet, you'll want to stay away from. <laughs> Perfect. All right, JP. And actually, I lied. So we always, we have one more question. We always end the show with our guest sharing. Is, their... is this a lie, Philip? Is this another lie? Oh, I, I, man, that's, I don't know. I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> That was entertaining to me, by the way. I tickled me. Sorry, I interrupted. But- <laughs> no, no, you're fine. You're fine. It's all good. So we always end the show with our guests sharing one of their favorite quotes. So do you have a quote you'd like to share with us today? The first one that comes to my mind is Ram Dass saying, you can't get out of a jail that you don't know you're in. Uh, and for me, it points to self-awareness. Can you become aware of the self-imposed prisons that you've constructed to yourself for yourself that you're currently in that you don't even see? Can you begin to have the awareness to realize the jails you've constructed for yourself and trapped yourself in? 
If you can, you'll get out of them eventually. If you can't, you'll be in them because you don't know you're in them. Perfect. I can't think of a better way to end the show. JP, man, thank you so much for taking the time to to sit down with me and, and share all this wonderful stuff with myself and the listeners. I know I've benefited from it and I'm sure they have as well. Oh, you're welcome, Philip. It's a, been a pleasure talking with you and I really appreciate you having me on your wonderful offering to the world. Oh, perfect. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next time. If you guys enjoyed that episode, please let us know. Find us at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We're going to be at Yield Mastermind on all those platforms. Check out our website, yieldmastermind.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those platforms. Please reach out to us. Let us know if you like the show. Let us know if you're loving the content. Please write us a review on iTunes if you feel the desire to. We really appreciate hearing from our audience and really understanding if you guys are loving what you're hearing or if you guys would like to hear something totally different. We're always open to that stuff. Thanks for listening. We hope you are enjoying this show as much as we are, and we can't wait for you guys to tune in next time.